Metallica, here they come, the kings of metal. This is Johnny Z, and you're listening to Metal Up Your Podcast. Welcome to Middle Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Look. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode 192 and a very, very exciting one that is about a year and a half to two years in the works. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Mr. Squindo on the show this week. We have Tony Squindo, who famously has designed some of your favorite, whether you know it or not, uh, Metallica designs. Super cool dude. Uh, he's been doing all sorts of t-shirts, merch, posters, which by the way, we are giving two limited edition posters out on the show. We will have details about that later in the week. Um, he's done bobbleheads. He's written a children's book. He draws and, and sculpts skulls. Skulls. He has a neck, he has a neck tattoo. He has a neck that's tattoo. Another, that's another. We're just naming things about Tony, and that's one of the things. We met him at our party, our two-year anniversary party in Nashville. That's right. Uh, one of the most fun nights of my life, by the way. We're celebrating... Uh, two years of the podcast. It's it's the night before a Metallica show at Bridgestone Arena, so everyone's in town, mm-hmm. and uh, including Squindo and his lovely wife. So we uh, touched base that night. He gave us some prints. He gave us some prints that night that we have up in our houses right now. Yeah, exactly. And uh, that was when the seed was planted, as they say. And we finally were able to uh, to to get our paths across. And what can I say, man? Such a sweet dude. He was awesome. He was, you know, he he. Uh had never really done a podcast interview before. And so I, maybe he was a little nervous at first, but uh, I couldn't really tell. He was uh, just a lovely chat. And uh, yeah, we get into a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously, you know, the meat and potatoes is Metallica, but kind of his uh, upbringing in art and stabbing himself with a pencil. You know, we'll get into <laughs> that kind of stuff. But uh, he's got a great story about how he got connected with Metallica. And uh, I'm stoked for everyone to, to tune in here in a few minutes. Absolutely. We're going to hear all about, yeah, hear all about how he got started, coming up with Kid Rock, meeting Lars, and my, one of my favorite clubs in the, in the country, the Bowery Ballroom, all the cool stuff he's done. He's got a website, by the way, let's say that at the top, called squindo.net, S-Q-U-I-N-D-O.net, where you can buy masks, prints, cam- uh, uh, original art on canvases, limited edition posters, Christmas cards, stickers, T-shirts. So we want to we want to direct you over there to check out some of his stuff. It's super affordable, and again, we're going to be giving away some of the the prints that we bought from him as well. So let's burn down some of this housekeeping. Leave us a positive review on iTunes. We did our uh, we did our S and M two giveaway. Finally, yeah, somebody we finally, finally won. did it. Uh, people left us positive reviews on iTunes within a certain two week window, and we chose a name randomly on Instagram Live. That winner was I don't know what their real name is, but their Monica is Slinky ninety six. So congrats to Slinky ninety six. The uh, the vinyl has already been shipped, and we want to thank Metalliclaws himself, Chris Yurdis, for donating the vinyl. Uh, if you really dig the show, beyond leaving a positive iTunes review, which is really easy to do, by the way, so easy. but you can support us on Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash 
Metal Up Get Podcast, and uh, we're going to be giving away an SNM2 Deluxe box set mm. on Patreon here soon. Uh, but we want to say thank you to a couple of new patrons. Donnie Minshaw increased his pledge. Here's what Donnie Minshaw did. Donnie Minshaw was like, I want to support my favorite podcast. I want to give him a couple of dineros. Okay? Right. Basically like a cup of coffee a month. Exactly. Then Donnie said, hmm, I'm not giving enough. I'm going to give them more dineros. How about two cups of coffee? So he increased his pledge. And for that, we thank you, Donnie. You are uh, a valued member of the Melby Podcast family. And we want to thank Chris Ewens who is now on board the Patreon train. And may I say, at the highest level that we offer, which is this incredibly generous and amazing. We thank you guys. To all of you past and present Patreon members, and to all of you who listen in general out in Metal Up Your Podcast land, we love you. We love you. And you know what? Lucius loves you. As does Valentino. Honey, He they love you. They're dogs. But that doesn't mean they don't have love in their hearts, even though they're dogs. And some people are afraid uh, they, to get killed by a dog. But listen, Lucius and Valentino are only going to just lick your face to death. You know what to kill you before a dog will? Not being loved. That's right. Amen. Amen. Um, we've been doing these Zoom hangs out with the Patre- Patreon members, which has been a lot of fun. Just so another fun. reason to hang out and... I got to tell you, man, it's, it's, if you would have told me, what's it going to be like to get 25 to 30 people in a, in a digital chat room watching a Metallica gig? How do you think that's going to work? I would have said, probably not great. Not well. But it actually works out well. We all just watch it together and chat the whole time. It's so much fun. We're having cocktails. We're catching up with each other. It's super fun. Our Rome guy shirts are going to be shipping as soon as they land on my doorstep, which mm-hmm. is any day now. I can't wait. We got the quarantine covers. You know what those are. We got the cover our blackens. You know what they are. You know all this stuff. Who doesn't know, honey, please? How about the socials, Ethan? How, how about, about the, those socials? How about the dreaded socials? Spit, Spitify. Insta, Tw- Instapram. Twitter. Twitter. YouTorb. YouTorbin. Listen, we're on all the socials. Good God. I mean, look, the social social media is not good for you. And I, as your friend, I must recommend that you get off of it immediately. But as a podcast host who wants to be connected with you lovely people out there, uh, you got to follow us on all the socials. That's right. Yeah. Stay off, but get on. <laughs> I don't know how to bridge the gap there, but maybe just stay, spiritually- on, the, stay on the horse until it starts bucking and once it, and then get <laughs> off. And then if, if it stops bucking, maybe get back on for a little bit. Now, here's the age old easiest way to get a hold of us ever since the beginning, Ethan, was always metal up your podcast show at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We get tons of emails. We cannot uh, read all of them on the show. We whittled it down to five per week, but we do read them all personally and we definitely usually respond to them all personally. So, write into us. Let us know what you're thinking, how you're doing, what you think about the show, what you think about your dog. That's right. We're going to do that now and what we lovingly refer to as. The email portal! All right, our first email is from Sasha Brinkman. Hey, just wanted to reach out to you guys. As I saw, it's all justice time for Clint. Of course, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, Clint posted a bunch of stuff from the Justice box set. I need to write a short message. Uh, message Just got my justice tattoo last year as a start for a full sleeve. You and your podcast mean a lot and always bring joy to my life. Hope to someday chat or talk with you guys. Greetings and love from Germany, Sasha. Well, thank you very much, Sasha. Congratulations on your new tattoo. He sent us a picture. It's super fun. Awesome. And uh, shoot, I think it was 
last summer or two summers ago, I was in Germany on tour in mm-hmm. Stuttgart, Hausen, and Rammstein, Hafen, Hausen, Schausen. And um, <laughs> uh, I love Germany. I'm sure you've been there on tour, Ethan. Have you been, I've to, been Germany? to Germany so many times? I love it. That's one of my favorite countries to visit for sure. It's just a beautiful country with beautiful people. Uh, thank you, Sasha. Kate Kofstad says, hey, dudes, this is my second time writing in, but just wanted to let you all know how much I love the show. Every week, I look forward to hearing you guys joke and riff on our favorite band. The commentary episodes are my personal favorites because it's so fun to hear you two and Paul. Paul? Paul. Say pretty much exactly what I'm thinking, since as a younger fan, I don't have many peers to talk to uh, or to talk with about Metallica. Anyways, I recently listened to Reload, Rehearse, and Request, uh, our episode we did on that. It made me wonder, if y'all had a time machine, which five rock metal concerts would you choose to go to, not only Metallica? Uh, Kate says, personally, my top five would be number one, the first S&M. Number two, Nirvana, Paramount 91. Number three, Quinn, uh, Queen at Wembley Stadium, 1986. Four, The Cunning Stunts taping. Five, Pearl Jam, Pink Pop 92. Keep up the great work, peace. So maybe not a top five, but what, what jumps out to you as a... A concert you wish you'd been at. I mean, as far as as far as Metallica is concerned, two immediately pop out in my mind: S and M one, mm-hmm. and also uh, a stop on the Guns Metallica tour. Okay, I uh, never got to see that. I almost I almost got to go, but uh, mom and dad wouldn't let me. I agree. For me, it's that Guns the the Guns Metallica co headline with Faith No More opening mm. uh, while supporting my favorite Faith No More album, The Real Thing. I would also like to have been at Woodstock '99. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite Metallica shows. I also would have liked to have been at S and M one. Yeah. Uh, other bands, I would love to have seen the Beatles at the Star Club in Germany. By the way, right. this kind of club that they were famously played before anyone ever knew who they were. They would play these seven hour sets, mostly of covers. Can you imagine seeing the Beatles like that, dude? I know it's crazy. I've been outside that club. Uh, I've never been there. Those would be the ones that poke out to me. Thank you, Kate, for listening, and thank you for sending your list. Uh, write into Metal Up Your Podcast Show and let us know what your notable shows of the past that you would like to go to. Should you should Doc Brown show up on your doorstep one day with a DeLorean outfitted to travel back in time? Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Make like a tree and get out of here. That's your name, isn't it, Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Well, if you want a Pepsi, you're going to have to pay for it. You mean you have to use your hands? <laughs> we both know hoverboards don't work on water. Watch out, kid. I'm a crack shot at this. <laughs> you're a slacker, McFly. <laughs> You'll always be a slacker. Oh, my gosh. All right. I know you, you know, know Vern, uh, Jules Verne? The deep cut from part three. Anyways, next email is from Luz Cardozo from Argentina. I'm so glad I'm part of this community now. If you ever make a year and a half with commentary, I'll be making it'll you'll be making this bitch happy. <laughs> um, my best wishes to you and Ethan. Uh, by you, uh, they mean Clint. By the way, um, you're bringing uh, entertainment to a lot of people under stress. You're basically doing a service to the world. I'm sorry that I can't contribute because I can barely make it to the end of the month. Thank you again. Well. Luz Car- Cardozo, uh, no no pressure. We understand this is a very we tr- totally for, get it. Yeah, for a lot of people all around the world, not just here in the U.S. It's everywhere, and we totally understand. So, just the fact that you're listening in and uh, taking a moment to write in, it means the world to us. And uh, please keep listening, and we'll keep p- giving you some uh, good content to make this bitch happy. 
I agree. I've been trading a few emails with her and she, I think she goes by Lucy and thank you, Lucy, for writing in. We totally, you know, if all you're doing is listening to the show and telling us nice things, that's a-okay with me. A-okay with this guy. Absolutely. Jeremy Case writes in and says, what's up, brothers? I went for it. I'm proud I went of you. For it. That's a good one. It's good. He says, and now what's my third attempt to write you guys an email because of the email address mix up. I just wanted to stop by and thank you guys for all that you do for the Metallica community and fans. He says, yes, you guys are a treasure, honey, please. I also would like to say how absolutely fucking rocking SNM 2 is. And in the words of Lars, what really gets his you know what hard is when um James like sings the Unforgiven 3 and like um the symphony and just um kicks everyone in the testicles for like um three and a half fucking minutes. <laughs> that was my attempt at Lars also. That's Not pretty, great. That was pretty good. It wasn't great. I can't but, do one. Well, I hadn't pre-read this email, so I didn't know when that sentence was going to stop. I was like, <laughs> how long is this Lars impression? Uh, he says, anyway, thanks, dudes, for the content. I can't wait to discuss the November 4th, 2008 show from Denver. As I have gotten back on the Patreon train, cheers from Jeremy in Portland, Oregon, New Jersey. Mm. Also, Ethan, you kicked ass on I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac. And Clint should totally do a cover of the song Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. I think it's right up his alley. Ooh. Well, I agree with Jeremy. Your cover of I Want to Be a Hulkamaniac is... Look, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's better than the original. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's better than the original. And I absolutely adore Post Malone. Uh, I I don't know if I could cover any of his stuff and do it any justice, but I do appreciate uh, the suggestion. That's awesome. One more email. One last email from Alex. Hey, guys, it's your old pal Alex from Maidstone, England. That's right. I've mentioned this before. It's a beautiful area. There's nothing around, really. There's some cool little pubs and stuff, but that's where they filmed Jules Holland. Uh, first, uh, he says, first, thank you for the uh, episode with Paul, Paul, um, Paul, Paul, uh, Paul, Paul, <laughs> he's not here. Your family's so confused. Yeah. Honey. Well, what's new? Honey, Paul doesn't live here. I've told you a million times. <laughs> Why do you keep shouting Paul, daddy? <laughs> uh, anyways, he goes on to say, always a, a golden show when the youth three team up with regard to S and M two, I've digested it for a week and it's just pure joy. Some of the new tunes really suited the orchestra arrangements, and it was it was great to finally hear Ala Torn with the orchestra. I know, right? That's what I, that's what I said. Ha <laughs> ha. He says, "Sorry, Ethan. It's okay." Um, goes on to say the highlights for me were the spine tingling version of Anesthesia, the haunting Unforgiven Three. God bless Metallica and their adventurous spirit. All the best to you, you guys. Stay safe and thank you. Thank you, Alex from Maidstone, England, New Jersey, England. We're going back in time. Thank you. <laughs> Don't mean my thank you. <laughs> That's the power of thank you. <laughs> if this is a thank you. <laughs> well, listen, man, let's get the hell out of the email corner and hear from our new friend, Tony Squindo. Let's do it. You're really good at that. Hey everyone, this is Ethan and Clint. We're here to tell you about supporting the show via Patreon. That's right. Every week, Ethan and I work hard to bring you the best Metallica content possible. If you think the show has value, consider supporting us on a financial level at Patreon. For $5 a month, or the price of two cups of coffee, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. But that's not all. In addition to being able to help sleep at night for supporting your favorite podcast, we've also come up with incentives to say thank you that are exclusively available to patrons. For example, for a pledge of $5 or more, you immediately get free 
free downloads of every Cover Our World Blackened EP. Ticket giveaways for shows like SNM2 and Slain Castle. Box sets, rare vinyl, Metallica memorabilia like SNM2 guitar picks. Email priority, meaning we'll read your email first on the show with a chance to ask guests like Hailstorm, Jay Weinberg of Slipknot, and Metallica Row Crew your very own questions. And the opportunity to come on the show as a guest for our Metal Tales bonus episodes in which you can tell us all about any Metallica show you've been to in the past. All this and more for becoming a patron and supporting Metal Up Your Podcast. We couldn't do this show without you, and to everyone on the ride with us, we sincerely thank you. Peace. Adios. All right, well, we are here with the famous and wonderful Tony Squindo, who has made some time to come on the show. Welcome to the show, Squindo. So good to have you here, dude. Thank you. Now, my first question for you, now that we got you here, is you are, you are a known person in the Metallica world. Everyone knows the four guys. Everyone knows Bob Rock. There's a, there's a, there's a sort of, uh, you know, there's like a ring of people, an echelon of people that keeps going back. You're in one of these with, with a lot of the famous artists associated with the band, like Pusshead. Are you aware that you're one of those guys in the Metallica camp? <laughs> kind of freaks me out every time. It blows my mind. The whole the whole concept just blows my mind. I don't believe it. I, I never told anybody really that I what I did because I'm like, nobody's going to believe me. Uh, it just sounds so made up. Oh, yeah, I drove from Metallica. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, right, dude. Sure you did. You're like, no, for mm-hmm. real. Like, I have James Hetfield on my phone. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's about the answer I would imagine. That Yeah, you kind of want to pinch yourself because, and we're going to get into your whole deal, but you were you a fan of the band before you started working with them around 99, 2000? Oh, yeah. I mean, my s- senior year of high school was Justice, so that kind of pulled me in. I didn't really know much before that. My family's a bunch of hippies, so I didn't hear decent music until halfway through high school. Oh, wow. And didn't see them until Black Album. I saw them first show was uh, Guns N' Roses in them. Oh, you yeah, know, Faith nice. No More with the Faith No More gig. I think again, my, I can't remember that far back. I think it was like ninety, maybe. That is one of my. Uh, I think that would have been ninety three with Guns, right? That's one of my all time like. You know, people are like, if you go to any show, past or present, that tour that you saw, dude, is like my number one. So you were into it. You were into Justice, and you were into the Black Album. Yeah, I didn't know a whole lot because, again, I had limited access to it back then and uh it was like mtv comes out you see one you see all that and and then it was like senior year i just i I keep i told them before they they kind of owe me for all the times i wrote their name on desks and practiced (laughs) writing it before i even started working with them were your parents being the hippies that they were a little hesitant when you started getting into music like that or did it freak them out at all not really they were they were open to everything but this wasn't their their thing i took them they were both like in their I guess 70s. I took them to see the Summer Sanitarium in Philly, and uh, they they sat there. And they, we had great seats. They sat there for a little bit, and uh, I took them backstage. I snuck them back, and uh, they met Hetfield, hmm. and they were he, they thanked him for having me work for them, and he thanked them for having me. <laughs> it was awkward, <laughs> but we took them out. I sat them down, and they sat through three or four songs and they're like we understand why you like it but 
we're gonna go we gotta go yeah <laughs> i can imagine them talking to a, a, a young tony squindle they're like can't you draw peter paul and mary on your desk yeah Why right you have to be these skulls and stuff so you've drawn some of the grateful dead bears <laughs> i want to get into like when you started making art because people may not know dude you do not just do designs for posters or shirts i mean you you make a lot of different kind of art from tattoos and sculptures you wrote you've written books but just keeping it on the Metallica train for a second, were you like looking at Pusshead artwork at that time as a kid, as a young artist and inspired by that at all? Uh, skulls. I mean, he's probably one of the ones who pulled me into drawing evil shit anyway. So yeah, I mean, all my cool shirts were his. Right. Have you been able to run across paths with him uh, in the art world once? And at the, uh, the Fillmore shows. Oh, okay. I was oh. hanging out up on the upper balcony and I, I talked to Toby from HQ. Uh-huh. I was telling him it would be cool to meet him. And he's like, he's standing right next to you. I'm like, all right. All right. He's a pretty reclusive dude. He's a pretty chill guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a quick, just, Hey, what's up? I like your stuff. That's cool. Was he aware of any of the work that you had done for the band? I didn't ask. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. It's a scary question, right? I'm sure once he walked away and uh, you walked away, he looked at his buddy, man, I really want to meet that squindo guy. If he's here tonight, <laughs> you just talked to him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You did some artwork for that thirty those thirtieth anniversary shows, right? Yep. I love those. I think man. there's one on the wall here. Yeah, I see them right behind you, right? I mean, you've done so many iconic things for the band that I, that I didn't even know of. I mean, you did the um, the Freeze Them All artwork, right? Yep. There's a really iconic shirt from kind of the two thousand era. All sorts. We're going to get into all that. So, all right. So you're a kid, and you're you're from Jersey, right? Yep. Originally, we have a big affinity for Jersey on this show. A lot of our fans live there <laughs> and we talk about New Jersey all the time. So what's what's it like for you as a kid? And, and how are you getting into to drawing all this? cool? When, how, it's always a mystery to me. How did you know you were good at it? I just I always I mean, since I was little, I was always drawn. I think it was something that my parents did to keep me from being a pain in the ass. They're like just my dad would like scribble on a paper. and He's like, find find something in here. And I just sit there and finally should probably shut up and stare at it. I was just reading, I was going through a bunch of old photos and stuff. We cleaned out our storage unit and I found a ton of stuff from like my, my parents. And I found a little book that my mom was writing when I was you know, like the little, when you're born, this is like notes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, apparently when I was one, I was running with a pencil and stabbed myself in the roof of the mouth. Mm. I fell, got a tetanus shot. And at two, I was running upstairs with a pencil and stabbed myself in the top of the eye so i said it's like injecting myself with pencil lead you had lead is in your blood at, the, at an early age really wanted a tattoo really early yeah yeah and by three my parents finally took the pencil out of my hand when i was running or <laughs> poor parenting i was the fourth kid so no you know, it didn't really they didn't care about me yeah the, from what i hear my parents or my friends that had a had a big family once you get down there fourth fifth kid they're like they're too wiped out. Yeah, you get all leftovers. Fine, go play with a machete. Yeah. Are any of your other brothers or sisters artists? Uh, my younger brother is a musician. He's just like a folky. He used to be like a metalhead back in when I was in the early, like, 90, you know, early 90s. And then he went folky. And it's good. It's just different. He's still into this stuff. Like, he'll do like a Twisted Sister cover song, <laughs> but uh, still in his folk kind of way. The others are teachers. As you move up through school, is it the kind of thing where you're like, man, I think I might be able to really do this later? Or is it just something you always did as a hobby? Were your friends like, holy shit, dude, you're drawing amazing stuff. I was voted my almost one, the quietest kid in high school because I didn't talk to anybody. I just hid behind my hair and just drew pictures. I didn't like, I had a limited amount of friends and I knew that, but well, 
I, I used to go on these trips with my dad. He'd do like, he was a school teacher and he would take kids on buses to like camp and skiing and stuff. And uh, again, I was a little kid sitting on the front just doodling. And the seventh and eighth grade girls that he was teaching, they kind of thought it was cute. So I was like, all right, chicks like me drawing pictures. So I <laughs> sit there and draw them like Snoopy pictures and stuff. And that was, I mean, that was the start of it probably. That was the first time that people like liked what I was drawing, even though it was like stupid little pictures. But I feel like that's the uh, that's the musician equivalent of that same era of learning more than words on guitar by extreme. <laughs> <laughs> I do think there is something to it. I mean, without being gross about it, I mean, when you're that young, you don't even really know it, what's going on. But I, I do feel like for a lot of musicians, same way you, yeah, if you play more than words or you play Thunderstruck on guitar, the girl in class is going to look at you different, and that that means something you suddenly get a little attention when you're like you, again i didn't talk at all really so that was like some sort of attention and you're like all right cool i'll, I'll keep i'll draw you another picture of snoopy all right <laughs> <laughs> so you were just sort of a quiet insular kid doing a, like were you were you drawing every day i mean were you were you really into it or was it just sort of like a hobby yeah no i was i was always doodling and i have sketchbooks back from like seventh eighth grade and they're horrible, but they're, I, I keep everything too. Drives my poor wife crazy. I have piles of everything. Like those pictures of Snoopy, I still have them. They're like in a stack somewhere. That's awesome. I remember my mom found a box of like poetry I'd written. Uh, I'm a songwriter for a living. And my mom found a bunch of poetry I'd written. And I was like, oh man, I, I wonder if it's like, I'm sure it's kind of shitty, but I wonder if it's any good. Like, cause that's what I do now. Dude, I, I read like three of them and I was like, I, I can't. This is like the worst shit in the world. I couldn't believe how bad it was. <laughs> yeah. I look back at like some of the Metallica stuff I've done. I'm like, oh my God, they bought that from me? I'm like, how, why would they buy that? I, some of the original stuff was pretty simple and, and I've, I try to put way more into it now. I definitely want to get into that. I want to, I, I'm curious to know which ones you feel that way about. Um, it's probably like them. Some of their songs that are my favorite songs of theirs, they don't like very much either. So it's like, oh, mm -hmm. I, I get it. Right. <clears throat> I was interested in how you kind of got hooked up with that. So, the connection really is Kid Rock, right? The, the, do I have that correct? Yeah. The story, you had seen Kid Rock and then you showed him some sketches and he was real impressed and then you started doing some merch for him, right? Yeah, it was uh, kind of random. We, we were living, me and my wife were living in northern Pennsylvania on property for my parents. We were trying to like, they were trying to build a retirement house. It was like uh, uh, way out in the middle of nowhere. So they stuck us on the property just to kind of like, you had to be on the property for so long before you could get electric or, or anything. So we volunteered being, you know, idiots. And uh, we were up there for four years. And by the time we, after the four years of being like totally broke, we had like welfare broke. We were like, screw it, we gotta go back to Jersey. I we were living in uh, my wife's parents' basement and um, working, she was going to school, I was working two jobs and trying to do freelance stuff. Hey everybody, it's Clint here from the future editing this episode. I dropped in just for a brief moment to let you know that for the next minute or so, Squindo's audio is a little dicey. We had a little bit of a Skype connection issue just during this first part. So I debated on whether or not to leave it in or just take it all out. I'm going to leave it in, but I want to tell you what the meat and potatoes of the story are because it's a pretty important part of how he got hooked up with the Metallica camp. So he was living up in New England and Kid Rock, before Kid Rock became the Kid Rock we all know, before that Devil Without a Cause album, 
uh, was playing at a, a sort of a metal club, the local metal club. Tony went and saw him, and when he saw Kid Rock play, he thought, I can draw that guy. So I think the next time Kid Rock came through the club, he had drawn some sketches. He gets on the tour bus through gumption and through bravery and courage, and he shows him his designs. Kid Rock likes it. Boom, he's doing merch for Kid Rock. Then the next part of the story is he's seeing Kid Rock and Limp Biscuit at the Bowery Ballroom in New York City, and he's hanging out. He's obviously a guest of Kid Rock because he's homies with Kid Rock at this point, and he's up in the dressing room, super packed, tons of people everywhere, but in the very back of the room, Kid Rock is talking to one Mr. Lars Ulrich. Tony's wife encourages him to go talk to them, to just to take the leap, give it a shot. So Tony goes over, Kid Rock introduces him to Lars. Lars is intrigued by Squindo, and says, here, call my management. And he writes his management's number down on a paper bag. Gives it to Squindo. Squindo goes home, can't believe it. And waits several months to call management, which I totally understand. When he finally calls, management says, hey, we've been waiting for your call, dummy. We're ready to do some work. So that's the story that you may not be able to hear. Uh, you can skip ahead if that's going to bum you out. I don't know. Honey, it's up to you, please. Now back to our regularly scheduled program with the wonderful Squindo. Master! Master! We heard Kid Rock on... Um one of the local radios, and they received playing at this little club right around the corner that we always went to see metal shows and stuff at. So we uh, shot over there, and as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I could draw this guy. He's, he's, got, he's got enough character in him, I could draw him. And uh, she was taking photos. She was doing a lot of band photos back then. And we, had, I had tried hooking up with other bands before that, like knocking on bus doors and showing them samples of what I was doing and uh, get a little bit of something going on, but never anything solid. So, uh, the Kid Rock one, we land little club. He, it was before, right before the, the, whatever that, uh, rebel without a cause, rebel without uh, a, devil without a cause. The name of the album. Yeah. Right before that, like was on MTV and everything. And, uh, just hung on the bar talking to him and he said, it's cool to, for her to take photos. I wasn't even, I was thinking about drawing, but it was more like let her take some photos and see what happened. And uh, the next time he said the meet up at the next show was in still in Jersey, but like a couple months later, went up and knocked on the bus door and his manager let us in and we bullshitting for a while, showed him the photos. I had drawn a couple pictures and he was into it. So from there, it was just bang, banging out artwork for him. I did like a few t-shirt designs and some uh, like tour passes, stuff like that. That's cool. And then from there, it was like, we went to see him open, um, God, I, I think it was Limp Biscuit and him yeah. at the Bowery yep. in New York. So we, uh, we weaseled our way in, got all the way up the back. I, I had made like some sample t-shirts and a bunch of stuff like that for him. Weaseled our way up backstage, and I uh, got to this dressing room, it was just packed with people, jam-packed. And uh, I'm looking around the room trying to find him, and I'm like, he's in the back corner, but he's talking to somebody. And my wife's like, he's talking to Lars. She's like, get your ass back there. <laughs> so we, like, squeezed through the crowd and started showing stuff. And Lars was like, yeah, asked if I had a business card. I'm like, no, I've got T-shirts. No business card. So he, like, wrote a number on a piece of brown bag was the manager's number and he's like, give him a call, we'll set something up. And I'm like, again, this is bullshit. I'm like, how is this is too bizarre that this whole thing's happening. So uh, we got out of there and I'm like, 
I didn't believe it. And I kind of was just so nervous about the whole thing. I didn't call him for like three months. Oh, and wow. I finally was like, grow set, call him. And, uh, manager's like, yeah, we heard you. You told me about what you did. So just send some samples. So I sent like, Oh God, I sent a lot of garbage. Um, I, I just, just gotten Photoshop. So there was like some, you know, garbage basically. And then three or four decent designs and they picked three of them. And, uh, that year they were like the second, third and fourth best-selling t-shirts on the tour. Wow. So it was from there. It was like, uh, I can't, uh, he, he's like, um, I think K-Rock was like, all right, I don't think I can afford this guy anymore. And I was working with them. And I, I kind of like fell out of that a little bit and just was, there was so much Metallica stuff going on. I was just working on that like nonstop. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing, dude. I, I love that story. I mean, I've, I've played the Bowery Ballroom a lot. It's a tiny ass green room upstairs. And so you yeah. see Lars, he writes the number down on a paper bag. You call still management. You still have the bag. Nice. Of course. Yeah. You really do save everything. <laughs> you finally yeah. call management. I've been in that place too, man. They're like, give someone a call. They want to hear from you. You're like, I don't know. And then you wait. So then the kind of, that's when it took off for you. What were those, you said that it was like the, the top five highest selling t-shirts. What were those t-shirts that you did? Do you remember? I'm sure you do. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, uh, the four faces, like cartoon in an oval. Um, the little firehead guy, he's like scratched down with his hair kind of on fire and a little kid pulling a rabbit's head off a stuffed <laughs> rabbit's head. I mean, <laughs> And that one, my wife's like, they're not going to want that. I'm like, hey, whatever. I just threw it in the mix. And they're like, all right, that's cool. And apparently, like, Hetfield said something like it was time for something a little different. And I just was right place, right time. Yeah. I read they gave you no input. Like, they just sort of hired you and let you go, right? Yeah. There was every now and then you'd get something usually from, from James, like, an idea or something to work with. But for the most part, it's just like, draw it. If we like it, we want it. No real changes. Just if it's, we don't like it, scrap it. Now at this point, are you, because uh, you said Photoshop, you just recently got and Photoshop was still somewhat new at the time. At this point, were you at all sending them like scans of what you actually drew or were you scanning it and then like, kind of touching it up in Photoshop to send to them? Pretty much just, it's, I draw everything by hand and scan it. And I'd send like, I, I would usually... For them, I'd go crazy and just do all the coloring. Everything was so short notice, too. A lot of it back then was just draw it, color it in Photoshop and Illustrator and just get it out to them. So I, I kind of felt like if I just sent them sketches, they might not like it. So mm -hmm. I'd kind of go a little extra crazy. Yeah. And there's a bunch that they didn't use that was maybe kind of wasted time on it, but I mean, I'm working for Metallica, so who cares? You're just going to sit <laughs> yeah, there and exactly. time. So how, how quick would the turnaround be when you send them something? I mean, was the, were you guys communicating via email with management maybe? Or was there an art director involved too? Or Back then it was all management. And then slowly it was, uh, I got hooked up with their merch company and I was back and forth with them a bunch then. But that was like maybe a, a year into it. Once, it, once they'd kind of, I guess you'd proven, you know, that, that it was a good fit. Right you know, they maybe got a little more hands off. And then how, how did that transition into the posters? I mean, cause I read you also were making like the, you did some bobbleheads and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little bit late. I don't know when anything is. I don't know dates at all. <laughs> I, 
it was like the beginning you meet them and that was cool and then from there it was just like a blur until now it's like when i just finished the last stuff up and we're like i wondered how many times i've drawn james or <laughs> any of them yeah oh, right my wife's like that sounds like a total waste of time like sitting there and going through all that and trying you should have like a contest and see if anybody can guess I'm like they would know better than i would because i have no idea well how does it how does it work without getting the actual numbers obviously but like they commission you because you're you're basically a freelance artist, right? You work for yourself. So right. they say, hey, we, we need something for a shirt or whatever it is. And you're going to submit several options. They're going to choose one or two. Do they just pay you per piece? And is that, a, is that a rate that you negotiate yourself? How does that all work? We set up prices back with management back then. And yeah, every now and then it goes up a little bit, but it's it's basically just that you buy the piece outright. And then they they own it. That you you, you yeah. don't license it to them. They own the art. In the beginning, like those first three, I did. It was like I had no idea what I was doing, so I like copyright them and everything. And they were like, "All right, we're gonna buy the copyrights from you." And then from then on, it's there's no like contract or or anything. They know I'm not gonna use it for anything, and it's theirs. So yeah. my sense about you, not knowing you very well at all, but just being a fan, and then of course being a huge Metallica nerd is that there seems to be a, a sort of connection with you and James in terms of the stuff you're into. And I think that probably played a lot of part in, in him recognizing what he liked about the work you did. I'm thinking kind of about hot rod culture too. Right. Cause you, you come from that world also, right? Yeah. I don't know how it all fits in. It's just, it, we just have a lot, I guess, like that kind of crap in common cars and art and the tattoo kind of world. Anytime I see him, it's like, what kind of, what car, what, what's your new tattoo? What kind of car, what, you know, like showing him pictures or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and it just kind of goes on from there. Yeah. Have you ever been able to see his new book with his cars? I'm sure you've oh, seen God. some of those cars. It's yeah. amazing, right? Yeah. I know a couple of the guys who built them and they're, I mean, their guys are super cool and the cars are just amazing. I mean, especially seeing them up close in parks and you're just like blown away by these. Like the Black Pearl, we saw at a show, like Rick Door. We are hanging out with him, and they take the car off the trailer, and I'm just, like, drooling over the thing. And some little kid comes up, and he's, like, leaning on it. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, stop. Get away. Get away. Yeah. I mean, my cars are crusty. They're they're clean and cool, but they're not like that. Yeah, I got a 65 panel truck, Chevy panel truck, that we've driven everywhere. It's been to California a couple times. We drove it to Texas a bunch for car shows, and it's been. We took a, a couple of cross country trips in it. Is that the truck you're sitting in on your website? Uh, no, that's my other one. That's my '31 Chevy pickup. My brother bought that. My my brother and my dad bought it back in '84, maybe '83, and we used to take it to little car shows. He never really. This is a total hippie brother. We take it to some car shows, and and he did a little bit of work to it, and then just parked it in the driveway. He got into like Volkswagen vans when he went total hippie. So the car just sat there and I'd bug him year after year. I'm like, let me buy it from you. And he always said it was worth too much, but it was just like rotting away. And then it moved from there. I moved it up to my parents' barn up in Northern PA when they retired and sold the one house. And it sat there for years. And I, I finally just gave up on it until my parents were moving again. And I told him, you got to get rid of it. I mean, there's, it's got to go. And he said, just take it. I'm like, oh my God, you should have just told me this like years ago. I would have had it done. <laughs> wow. We were in the middle of the movie too. So I just had a buddy, the guy who painted my panel truck, he uh, he come come to Pennsylvania, picked up the little truck and did a bunch of work to it. 
And he, uh, I just wanted to do like mechanical stuff. And then he drives it down to my house and it's like, he painted my logo on the door and like Squindo speed shop on the back. And it's like it's super cool. It's wow. like a go-kart thing. It's fast as hell and scary. It's rattly. It's like all wood with tin nailed to it. It's love it. It's, it's scary, but cool. That's one of my, uh, my biggest, uh, vehicle regrets was getting rid of my, uh, it's not as cool as that, but, uh, uh mid sixties Mustang had a 65 when I was like 18, 19 years old. And, you know, working at a coffee shop about to go on tour, had no money to keep it up and finally had to sell it. But yeah, looking back and kind of knowing what I know now, it's like, man, I should have just hung on to that thing. It would have been so bitching to have in two, in 2020. There's so many cars that we let go that were like, you feel so stupid. I'm looking desperately for my first car. I had a 66 Pontiac, uh, Catalina was my first car. And I sold it for like 400 bucks because I had nowhere to put it. And I had it like all apart. And now you can't find them for like a shitty one. You can find for like maybe nine grand. Mm-hmm. You're killing me. That's why I'm hanging on tight to my 97 Forerunner. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't want to regret that one. <laughs> you never know, dudes. I see you got yeah. some skate decks behind you too. Are you, are you into to skate culture also? Uh, I can't. I fall down a lot. So uh, my, my wife's brother was pro back in the 80s oh cool my grandmother grew up right next door to them so i they had a giant ramp in their backyard so i'd go there and mess around a little bit but i fell on my ass too many times i'm like this is not for me what'd you recently do to your arm i saw that on on your instagram was that an injury related to fast cars or anything like that no it was an injury of me being a dumbass <laughs> <laughs> did it did a number two pencil go through your hand or something oh yeah we gave <laughs> we gave adult tony window another number two pencil and that's what happened yeah never do that never do that <laughs> i was uh i worked around the house a bunch that day and it was it was only this was june first i think my wife came in to take a shower i was out there just messing around I'm like i would a, a tiki a log i was carving into some kind of tiki because we just moved to florida i'm like i need some tiki shit around here <laughs> i was carving it with a little tool i found on facebook and bought it on amazon it's called the lancelot wheel it's like this little chainsaw four inch chainsaw hooked to a grinder so the thing's moving crazy fast. And of course I took the safety guard and the handle off cause they were in my way and I'm crouched down in front of the stupid thing, carving it. And it, it, this, the tool is like a rabbit dog. It goes crazy every now and then. If it bites the wood, it kind of like tweaks. So it did that once and I'm like, oh shit, gotta be care- more careful. And I did it again, dumbass. And at th- that time it, the thing ripped out of my left hand and it swung around and ripped into my left arm. Oof. Mm. So the chainsaw blade, like just, it gouged my arm. I looked down, it was just wide open. Ooh. I covered it up, shut the garage, shut the tool off. Cause the tool's just still going. It's bouncing around the ground. I shut the garage up. I came inside and like, it's bleeding everywhere. And I'm yelling at her, just hospital. She's like, <laughs> pops her head out the door. She's like, what? She's like, oh, God. We get in the car, and it's a 20-minute ride to the damn ER here. And the uh, they're doing construction on the road. So it's a one-lane road, and our, our road's not moving. Our, our lane's not moving. So we got, like, maybe halfway there, and I, I, I just went blank. I couldn't see anything. It was just like a light in your eyes. And we got there, and uh, she's like, just hop out and get you know run inside i'm like dude i can't i can't even see where i'm going i can't hop out anywhere she's so, like can you park yeah. the car real quick and get the valet and, yeah yeah uh, 
<laughs> you just had you just lost that much blood where you started to kind of get faint and pale and and loss of vision and stuff paler than i am yeah some inspiration for some new artwork too though well yeah since then i took the tool completely apart i'm like that's going to be in some kind of painting or something and i'll get rid of it i can't even look at the damn thing anymore it was three stitches on the inside and i think 11 outside dang and then three in my knee because the thing skim when i was throwing it after it ripped in my arm i threw it down and it bounced off my knee and hit the ground the girl stitched me up did a nice job with the the line it's like you can hardly see anything it kind of tucked everything in but my pinky doesn't work anymore it's kind of it can bend it but it kind of hangs was that like a nerve it hit a nerve or something yeah i cut enough to screw up these two fingers the ring finger and the pinky are both a little tweaked does that affect your art at all? It, it affected my my little shortcut buttons on the keyboard, <laughs> but that's about yeah. it. And the knee ripped. I had tattooed a chipmunk on my knee, and it ripped his ear and eye pretty bad. So we're going to be doing like an eye patch or something oh, on him guy. after it heals up. <laughs> so you're the type of dude that's that's hanging around at your house, like carving stuff, and you do sculptures and you write books. You, you you're known for the visual stuff, but you do a lot more than that, right? Like you did that skull book, which I thought was really cool. You you did the, you right. call it the year of the skull, where every it's a picture for every day of the year, and some of it's tattoos, some of it's sculpture work, some of it's drawing. Yep, yep. That was uh, it was 2013. I did it. And I, I thought it would be like a good idea just to like get more out there with everything. So I we picked something that was I like doing, and I started doing those. And we did a a tattoo convention in February. And one of my other artist friends is like, it's a good idea, but you're never going to do it because it's just, it's a pain in the ass. I'm like, shit, now I got to do it. <laughs> so we, uh, that was the year we had, uh, my mother died that year. So it was like a nightmare. It was like too much. There was a ton of shit going on family and, and that. And then after that, we hit the road and just did a, a couple of a trip to Texas and a trip somewhere else. I don't remember, but it was like, oh, Detroit. That was, uh. I think that was the year of the Orion in Detroit. Oh, yeah. cool. 2012? The book, maybe the book came out in 13. But yeah, there was nights that I was like, I just laid French fries out on a McDonald's like plate. I'm like, there you go. This is my skull. Or I drew it in the dirt in the back of the truck. I'm like, this is it. I'm not, I'm not inspired right now. What about the kids book? Tell me about the kids book. I've been doing like trying to do books for a while. I have an, another idea that is, it's my next one. It's a, uh, I'm doing a, kind of a more graphic novel about monsters and hot rods. But uh, the kids book I did, but my brother's uh, the musician brother, he writes too. So he usually, he writes the, the book for me and then I'll just illustrate it. I'll give him an idea, like a name for the book and then he'll come up with a story and then I'll illustrate. This one, I was, uh, I just came up with the idea of this little zombie who was like a bullied He's the smelly kid because he's, you know, rotting. <laughs> and, uh, I wish that was my excuse. Yeah. I have a, I wrote it up pretty quick. It was like a little rhyming kind of goofy book about him, like finding friends in the cemetery or something. He's like this skinny little zombie kid with a hat. And people are like, oh, is that supposed to be you? Like they're stealing your hat. And I'm like, whatever. Cause I'm pale and skinny, maybe. And rotting. <laughs> but, and rotting. Yeah, I did that one. And, and it came out really good. It had pretty good response to it. And we, I have one copy of it that I've had everybody sign, like random people and famous people. And I got one page where Hetfield drew like he 
change the character into like some like little like beatnik looking dude. But uh, yeah, it's like a little special little book of mine. The the new one I'm working on, I, I started in like 2004. I came up with the idea for it, and it's been on and again, off again. I I work on it for like a month and I fall away from it. But the uh, the COVID deal has made mm-hmm. it so I I had I was not working for a while. Once they canceled all the festival shows, I had like nothing to do. Yeah. So I just focused on that, and I, I it's the whole book is going to be like three or four stories, and I have the first one almost done. And uh, that one too, Hetfield came up with the character for the book years ago. It was like I was going to do a cartoon originally it was my plan. <laughs> And he was kind of into it. And he's like, here's, you know, he had some ideas. We were just bullshitting the one day at one of the shows. And he named the dog. He's like, you need a shop dog. Hmm. So I'm like, all right, you're, keep, your, keep involved in this somehow. I need, I need you involved in this. Well, what's your estimation of James as an artist? Because he, he's drawn some of their kind of iconic. I mean, he drew their logo. He drew the scary yeah. guy. It, even to me, it's it's still a bit crude. But it's I think it's pretty badass. He designed the Ninja Star with, out of the... The M's, you know his style, like the the scratchy yeah. style right away. Like his his scratchy font that he did, I just kind of went crazy with it and made a whole font out of it. But um, you know, it's his. It, it's just it's cool. He he did a few little sketches and would send them to me, and I'm like, or like I'd get a an email, or I think I, there's one I have the actual sketch that I'm like, this shit's getting framed up. Yeah, it's like totally. Unlined paper, like a. I think it was the 20th anniversary or something. It was a couple of X's. It was before that we did the 30 year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's cool. He's got cool stuff. Well, so when you're doing work for them, and I want to get into the posters for a second, because I'm, I'm fascinated by anyone who does concert posters. Because the concert posters almost have nothing to do with the show. Like sometimes they do, but they're almost like their own. Because the one you did for Nashville is like a, a country dude with a guitar, a skeleton guy. Which, Ethan, I right. think you have that up in your house, right? Yeah, yeah I've got that. Yeah. Um, so sometimes they seem to make sense with what's going on, and sometimes they just seem kind of like one-off ideas. When you're sitting down to do anything with, for Metallica, are you are you like thinking about their aesthetic? Does How much of that comes into your mind, or do you just sort of trust your own vibe? You're kind of, you called it like creepy and cute vibe before, you know, like, are you leaning on your own aesthetic? Or are you thinking a lot about what they've already done, what they're trying to do? I've always wondered about that. I know for... Every city I've done, I, I kind of try to make it somehow connected. Right. Nashville was, I mean, it was cowboy. And I knew that Hetfield liked all the filigree kind of style. So I added all that in. And like the steel guitar was a second, was a later idea. But the I'm looking up at the poster right here. That's why I'm like. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the bullet belt, you know, all that kind of stuff all kind of fit in with what I wanted for that one. That one, they told me to pick three cities that that time around and that was the first one i picked because we would almost move there i had i had kind of planned on moving there we were looking at property and everything and i already had friends there so i'm like screw it i want to do that one because it's a, it's a little special that, that one i started and then it was like the last one they needed and it was the first one i had finished so, so <laughs> i had uh the charlotte one there was a devil. It was uh, something in right around Charlotte was uh, an area called the devil's stomping ground or something like that. So I'm like, eh, it's gotta be a devil dancing around like that. It kind of fits with a few things. Do you research the city or do you just draw on yeah. if you've traveled through there? You kind of research it and find something. Unless I like Nashville, I knew, but the rest of them, I, I'll 
do a bunch of research and kind of throw a bunch of things on the desktop that are from there or ideas of that and then kind of just go off of the salt lake i did i kind of was going with salt flats because you know it's cars and stuff like that so i i did a couple sketches and they were like not so much on those but then i did the uh the tentacles mirrored and that kind of worked are those all pretty much first drafts or did you get any feedback and do some edits or anything the salt lake i think was the only one that was not they like i drew cars first and they were like not so much the rest of them was i'd send the sketch and they were like go with it work from that is it normally the case that they'll on a on a tour they'll they've got you they've got a handful of other notable artists and they'll have you guys just pick certain cities is that the normal way that you've been doing it these were the first ones besides like the Fillmore show these are the first ones I've done so I, I didn't I don't know how they normally do it they they just the merch company called and they were like we need you to pick if you want to do it we got pick three cities for this tour and then like the European tour I just did the the Lisbon one. And it's just a flat rate per per piece? No, those are they send me posters to sell. That's my my payment. Ah, okay. Oh, cool. So you don't do any of the like the lithograph or the foil or anything. Do you have to do anything special for the variants like that? Um, I just pick the colors and pick the type of paper. Like if if I didn't want to go foil, I went wanted to go with a different color or something, that would be my my choice. But they pretty much they print them all out there and then just send me the the stack of them. My guess knowing, I mean, I'm not a huge poster collector, but I know that so many people are. My guess is that that works out pretty well for you to be able to sell them. Much better. I would, I would probably not charge enough. <laughs> so, so this is way better for me. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. I mean, I put, I hang them up and then it's kind of a cool, especially the Nashville one, how kind of sought after that one was. It, it's just cool. It's cool to see the, the, the hype over them. Yeah. Well, a lot of them are so limited too. I mean, in regards to, I mean, just one city, I mean, a place like Nashville, you know, looking at like what, 16, 18,000 people just for one show. What are they limited to at the shows? Like 500, I think, or something like that. I think so. When I walked, I walked into that show, I saw the posters for sale. I'm like, I'll get it on the way out. And it was, they sold out so fast at that show. I had a friend get it for me because I I was running late. I was in a rehearsal and Clint and, and our friend Paul were already down there. I had a friend hit me up and said, Hey, I'm going to be able to get you the Nashville poster. Do you want me to grab it? And I was like, yes. Cause I, I already heard at other shows they're selling out before the sh- doors even open sometimes. Yeah. yeah. That one we had, I hadn't even gotten the posters at home yet. We, we hit the road, went to the show and uh, we put them up on the website. Cause I had the image and they sold out before the end of the show. I had already sold out and I had, I wasn't even sure exactly how many I was getting. I, I <laughs> thought I, I knew, and we got home. I'm like, shit, did we sell more than I have or more than I'm going to get? And it worked out all right. But yeah, I was a little worried there for a minute. It must be such a trip to see your artwork like that, especially being a fan of the band. Uh, like at the show up on, yeah, up on yeah. the screen. Yeah, dude. The very first one was the, when we when I did the, the first year I was working with them. And we went to the first show and they flew me out to Minneapolis. It was um, Kid Rock. I think Seven Dust and Metallica. And it was, I had all the Kid Rock merch and all the Metallica merch that year. So it was like, we walked in the doors and I'm like just sweating. My wife's crying. It was like, you look around, I had all the, I had a lot, I white shirt that year. So it was like the four faces on the white shirt and they were just like white everywhere. 
I kept like walking up and I'm like looking at the people's shirts like there's my name. Check it out. There's Dude, my was name. That, I'm sorry. Was that the sanitarium shirt with the four faces on the white shirt? Hold on one second. I got I got a little frame. Like, hold on. I have my Metallica file right here. <laughs> Open the Metallica. This, this little one here. Can you see that? Yeah, dude. I had that. Sh- that that was on the cover of one of my sanitarium shirts that I had when I was 17. Uh, That's so crazy. I'm just now putting that together. That was your shirt that I was wearing. That's awesome. So you roll that's up there crazy. and you see all the Kid Rock stuff and all Metallica stuff. Your wife's proud of you. I mean, that's a trip, dude. That's so cool. Yeah, and that that was the that was like pretty epic day. It was the first we met the band that day too. So we we got backstage and I'm standing there. Their guys like throwing a bunch of merch in a bag for me. I'm like, I gotta fly all this stuff home now. <laughs> but uh, I see Hetfield walk out in the hallway, and uh, I'm like, this is. Minneapolis in the winter, so it's freezing outside, and I'm just like soaked in sweat. <laughs> and uh, the guy, the guy I was talking to, walks over to him. And he like points the pass and points down to me. And just hearing Hetfield go like "squindo," like in his mm-hmm. voice, I'm like, "Dude, I, I, I gotta shake his hand." I'm like soaked in sweat. So it's like, <laughs> shake your hand. He introduced himself. I'm like, "Dude, I, I know who you are." But yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, just coming full circle from drawing, you know, Metallica logos on, you know, trapper keepers in school to, you know, all of a sudden walking back, walking into an arena and seeing your merch, not only on all the Metallica stuff, but Kid Rock stuff. And that Kid Rock was that connection to initially get you into the Metallica world to do all this artwork. And Hetfield knows who you are. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's it just mind blowing. Like, yeah, I, I don't believe it half the time. And then you guys have remained friends through the years, right? It seems, it seems like, do you just still temporarily or, or intermittently rather do stuff for them? I mean, there's not really anything going on now, but you did some of the worldwide tour, but is it just sort of an open line to you if they, if they ever need you for stuff or do you send them yeah, stuff yeah. occasionally or, or how does that work? I mean, I've done something on the side for everybody in the band. Oh, cool. I did all the stuff for Kirk's, um, horror thing, the, Kirk von Hammett stuff. Yeah, the book or the or the like museum stuff. Uh, the I designed like his little little toy. I designed the logo for it and some posters and stuff. All his little passes. I did um, the the Robert connection. The side thing for him was the cartoon he did. There was a little cartoon in the beginning of um, the movie. Was that the Was that the cartoon part during the um, uh, through the Never? Yeah, yeah. Originally, it was like he just wanted me to like design some characters, and I, that's all I really did for him. But it was um, I designed a bunch of other stuff that they kind of tweaked and changed it. Their com- like the animation company like just took some of the character design I did, which was kind of cool. Threw me onto IMDb now. My name's in there like as a yeah. character designer. I'm like, wow! I did like two little things for that. Well, I know you went on. You did stuff for like the Misfits and the Ramones, the Offspring were you intentional about how you sort of parlayed your success with Metallica, you know, into those other avenues? A lot of it kind of is connected. I mean, we saw the misfits at that same little bar where we saw kid rock years before. And I was talking to Jerry only. And I, you know, I said who I was and what I do. And I was wearing that four face white shirt. So he was like, well do something, you know, do something for us now. And uh, I did the album cover for their project 1950 it came out right, but that was like two. I forget when that was too. That was old. It does seem like someone with your pedigree, you don't have to go hustle that much, or maybe you do. I don't know. It's such a different world for me. Uh, well, like that one through him, I got Ramones. That was like their connection, same management. 
the uh the other stuff for like green day and offspring that's it's all metallics management they'll mm. oh, okay. message me like you know what else do you want to do this band i'm like sure i'll do that one so uh that's usually how that goes if there's if it's a band that i like then i'll try to like seek how to get in there and right. but a lot of that's like littler bands i'll i'll have a show or something i'll be like do you want some artwork or whatever and do independent bands hit you up a lot to to do work for them that are fans of your stuff couple one was like i was introduced to this girl in philly and i designed a bunch of stuff for her and then the other albums i've done a couple little albums for like just total independent little bands just because we're friends with them i just love that uh, especially with the kid rock thing then the misfits thing that you had that one club around the corner in new jersey that i mean it was almost like you're not like you wore the metallica shirt it's like self-promotion like trying to try to get some gigs tonight but it was just one of those things like, you know, you go to you mute somebody in a band and they see what you're wearing or you get to talking. And it's like, it's just like that old school mentality of, you know, word of mouth, you, you know, yeah, word of mouth, promoting yourself without coming across like an asshole, you know, you're just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, you're not the guy handing out cards at the show the whole, all night, you know, you're just, you're just sh- shooting the shit with people and it might come up because of your shirt or just because, oh, what do you do? I'm an artist. This is what I've done. Oh, great. Let's do something, you know? I, I love how organic that stuff can happen. Like just that push to Lars was like, I, I again, I was super quiet even back at that point. My wife's just like, you got, you got to go talk to him. Like this could, could change everything. I've told this one story before too. Well, we went to see them. It was suicidal Danzig and Metallica. And we, I was with my wife and we were just dating and we pull in the parking lot and we're looking at all shirts. I'm like, oh, I, I could totally trust stuff for these guys. And she's like, they can get anybody in the world, you know, not to like be a dick, but, they can get anybody. And uh, I'm, I like to rub that in her face every now and then. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, then uh, she gets to be like, well, I'm the one who encouraged you to talk to Lars. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Evens you know, out. And I took you to the hospital when you were bleeding out. And I took you to the hospital when you cut your whole arm off. Remember that, Tony? Sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, she always wins. We got to meet your lovely wife at the, at the party. And it is cool that she's a part of the story in the sense that she was encouraging you and stood behind you. I mean, how does she feel about you drawing all this crazy weird stuff all the time? And just go in your office and draw. She doesn't really care. <laughs> She'll give me some ideas too. Like I'll bounce with the coloring, especially. I have such an issue with figuring out what colors to use. I had the Nashville poster. I had that probably in 30 different colors on my desktop. I had two computers just filled with different colors. And I'm like, I'll go and drag her in. And I'm like, which one does you like? And she'll pick a few and then I'll narrow it down and I'll add a few more drag her back in she's like you're, you're killing me just pick a color wasn't there a variant of the nashville poster wasn't there weren't, weren't there two there was the gold and the red and now is that something that the merch company asked you to do like look we're going to make two one of them's going to be special so you just fulfill that you're like cool i'll do two versions yeah yeah pick the one for the show pick the one that you're going to sell and then the one you're going to sell on foil uh you also did some artwork for one of hetfield's battle vests too right yeah yeah that's been my most traveled artwork i think ever yeah every city in the world <laughs> that one too I, I still anytime we see him i'm like taking a picture of it I, I have a million pictures of it but i'm like it's still like holy shit that's how did how did that come to be how did the battle vest gig come to be i saw his at shows he had like the other one with just the scary guy i had drawn on it mm-hmm. and i'm like you gotta do something better than that so i messaged him i'm like how about i just do a vest for you and he's like sure have at it so i sent him like three or four sketches and he just pick through he liked that one and we added a few extra things to it and then uh i got like a swatch of leather and just painted it up it was like right before european tour i don't remember what one but it was like can you get it to me a year like 
in two days. Like, yes. Sure. <laughs> it still smelled like clear coat and it was like, it was a little quick, but I got, I sent that out and his, his people like hooked it up on the jacket. He wears that and, thing all the time, dude. Uh, yeah. Every time I see it, it just, again, blows my mind. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, I'll just do it for you. Just, um, can I do a poster of it and sell it myself? And he's like, I don't care. Just, you know, do what you do. So I, I did that. I think it's a two color poster of just that image. And that's on your website, right? Squindo.net. That's where a lot of this stuff is. So yep. we will have mentioned this before and we'll mention it at the end again too, but Squindo.net's where you can get the books, a lot of prints and a lot of the prints, which are the ones that I have, they're like 20 bucks. They're super affordable. And then there are some of the the nicer posters. And then you have like canvas art and like really limited, you have masks, COVID masks and stuff. Yeah, they go out. They go quick. Yeah. I think they're sold out right now currently, actually. I got to do another color, pick another one and go with it. Have you ever done like a gallery or anything or done a, a showing? There was, I did a few. I kind of, I was painting for a little bit and I kind of stopped for a while. I was just doing like illustrating art. And uh, we were living in the, in Pennsylvania and there was a gallery right around the corner. It was the Frank Frazetta Gallery. Hmm. So, uh, I mean, he's Molly Hatchet cover and all that. So we, uh, we went to that and it was like mind blown again. I mean, you're like right there in front of the artwork. So I'm like, I gotta start painting more or never paint again. Cause this shit is like amazing. <laughs> you did this new cliff shirt, right? Yeah. yeah. The Squindo stack. Well, when did that, how did that come to be? Did they ask you to do that? I met Ray at the, uh, obey your master show Yeah, and his daughter. And I was just kind of bullshit with them. He was just, I met him and I was like blown away. He was just super cool. And he was checking out my art on my t-shirt I was wearing that night. And I gave him a shirt and then, uh, I think I had messaged them about, it. I drew something up and, um, it was just for me. So I think I messaged them and they were like, cool. It must be so weird to make this stuff and then you let it go in the world. And then it's like, I saw there's so many like resellers of your shirts. I was looking online today. You know, like they're all over eBay or they're on these other third party oh. sites and stuff. It must be such yeah. a such a trip, dude. There's a funny one. The all the sport things I was doing like a couple of years ago was like sport logos for the shows and we were tweaking them into Metallica designs. Mm-hmm. Those things I I kept seeing them. They would pop up on eBay right away. Those things went so quick. The people went nuts for those. Yeah. I was talking to the merch guy and I'm like, I don't know if they're stealing it from me, they're stealing it from somewhere and reprinting so i'm like let me i'm gonna post one up i i I wasn't putting watermarks over all of them at that point so i'm like let me post one up and i'll just spell metallica wrong and see Hmm. if it's from me that they're getting (laughs) and sure enough it was like you know from china you can get the metallica shirt with the c missing and I like, well, yeah, it's me. Sorry. You get, I'll put watermarks over everything. Check out my Metallia shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big seller. Well, you'd mentioned yeah, at horrible. the top. You'd mentioned it. Like, well, yeah. What, so what'd you end up doing? Was there any recourse that you could do about it other yeah, than put watermarks so. on? Yeah. That, that I put the watermarks on. I, I bought one of the shirts from eBay just to <laughs> see. And it's, it, it's the Eagles. I think it's so blurry. You can't, you can't, the back's fine. The back was just tight. They threw that together, but the, the logo, you couldn't see what it was at all. I mean, they're just taking this off, you know, maybe, uh, at best, a what? 500 by 500 pixel design or something. Yeah. Online or there, there's been times that I post stuff too big too. I get my wife, uh, I'll send it to her to post up on the websites or whatever. And she's like, this, this file is gigantic. Like, <laughs> 
tone it down a little bit. And and as an artist, do you uh, do you kind of? I, I felt this way with with doing photography. I always hated putting watermarks on stuff, just because it makes me feel like I, I just cheapened it, or it just takes away from what the subject is. You know? Yeah. I'll, she'll tell me throw a watermark on it, and I'll put it on. And she's like, "Are you serious? <laughs> it's half transparent, and you can. It's in the corner. You know, there's like you're not covering anything." Right. And yeah, I, I hate putting them on. There's been a few like I, there was one that I had done. I drew a design just to sell on my own. It was um, I think the anniversary of Ride the Lightning. I did like a skeleton in the chair, and I put it up on on Instagram. And sure enough, it was I think somewhere in South America was selling doing shirts they put metallica across the top and they were selling them wow and uh i took the file i i didn't realize it was that big i took the instagram file threw it in illustrator and converted it right away and it was clear i mean my signature was clear wow so it was like i called management i'm like i didn't do it i swear i didn't do this this isn't me like trying to bootleg anything or well they've been getting bootlegged for decades at this point i mean that's 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 been a little you know underground sub industry for so long i mean one of the first concert shirts i ever bought was a bootleg rush shirt in the parking lot of the anaheim pond you know and i ten dollars after the show and really shitty quality t-shirt and terrible screen printing job you know it's been going forever but yeah i'm sure it's even harder to crack down on that stuff in other countries especially like south america so a big regret of mine was seeing one of my shirts bootlegged and not buying it it was like ten dollars the guys out from the arena and it was like a mashup of all my stuff we pull away and I'm like, shit, I should have bought that. It's hilarious to have that. You alluded to it at the top of the combo, but I'm curious, what are, what are some of the ones that you've turned in that they bought or that they, that went on to have a life with Metallica that you, you look back on now and you're like, Oh man, I, I would have done it different or not even submitted that one. Hey, yeah. There's, there's a couple probably from, uh, it was probably like this, maybe the second or third year into it. There's one where they're like jamming out. That's kind of super simple. Uh, I don't remember the year. I was, I was Jason was in the band, but I don't remember the year that. But it was. I look back on that one. I'm like, eh. there was another firehead one I did that was like a girl for a girl shirt, and it's, it's just not what it should have been. Is it because you've moved on as an artist, or and you feel like you could have just done it better, like like technically, or you wouldn't have even have liked the concept? Now, usually the concept's okay. I'm okay with most of that, but. Yeah, I put way more detail in everything now. I mean, back then I was doing everything on just shitty typing paper with like a marker and scanning it in. And now it's like, I'll put it on some nice paper and think mm-hmm. about it a little bit. Finally, in 2020, we'll get some nice paper now. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a little thicker than typing paper. What are you uh, What are you most proud of in the Metallica camp? What's, what's one that you're like, damn, I really nailed that. It's really cool. The posters I love. I, I'm happy with all that. That they they kind of like when you get the box in the mail and you open it up, they're like, "Holy shit, this is this is serious." Yeah, those posters are sick, dude. They really are. And they're next awesome. one especially. I, I really like the whole everything about it. Just came out super cool. Yeah, I love the Nashville one. Is there any band or artist that you haven't worked with yet that you want to? Uh, besides me and Clint. Besides yeah, us, okay. of course. I'm working on your yeah. stuff now. I got it yeah. going. <laughs> I always like I I always want to do like something for Ozzy or something for like Rob Zombie kind of. It was kind of like a draw I had. I didn't do something for Kelly Osborne. <laughs> yeah, I read that. What'd you do for her? I had t-shirt design. I met her at the MTV Icon. And I, I did some, it was a simple little design for her. Again, one of those ones that you're like, eh. 
look back on and you're like, mm, well, I shouldn't have done that one. <laughs> so you were at the Metallica Icon gig? Yep. My guess is <clears throat> you can pretty much go to any show you want to. Is that is that the, the case for you? If I can get there. If you can get there, yeah, yeah. Do you try to go to a lot of shows? Do you still enjoy just listening to the music? Yeah, we, we go as – I'm more than my wife. She's like, all right, fine, I'll go again because she's like not as much into the whole crowd thing now. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to go to as many as I can, especially like in the area, I'll hit any woman can. And then like the big ones, like the, uh, the symphony and we had to go to that first show I ever went to with when we were working with them was the symphony. The first oh, one. Wow. Oh, nice. So I'm like, we got to go again. Yeah. There was one year, I forget what year it was, but they, we kind of went down the East coast. We went from Jersey to, um, my brother-in-law was living in Florida at the time. So we just drove down and hit, a bunch of shows that year we'll get like good seats or good like floor seats and then we're like halfway through the show end up in the nosebleeds just to like get away from the crowd and kind of get the whole view of everything again my guess would be i mean i would recognize you because i've met you but my guess would be there would be if you were in the snake pit for example in the stadium tours there'd be some people in there who would approach you and say hi to you right does that happen that's kind of new to me too i mean it, it's only been a, a couple of years since we started to like kind of meet more of the, the super fans and, and the, the whole like Metallica family people, but they're, it, it's kind of cool now. There was definitely a buzz at our party about you being there. Mm-hmm. Like Squindo's here, man. Squindo. I'm like, oh my oh, God. Right, right on. Cool. You know, I heard this guy, Clint Wells is here too though. Yeah. Ethan Lux oh, there. On, there. He's on the stage right there. He didn't have a badass neck tattoo and he hasn't done any art for yeah. Metallica, but he's here. <laughs> Here. No one said that actually. <laughs> That's right. They probably didn't say my name there either. You're probably just making that up too. No, no, dude. People were saying that. There was well, you know, we were hosting it, and so, and then of course th- that party was so fun because the boys were playing the next day. So, so many people right. were just there for lots of different reasons, and we we kind of became the official pre-show party, and it happened to be our anniversary party. But there were a couple of people in the metallical world that were at that gig. I think Robert Roberts. One of Robert's siblings was there or something too. Yeah, his brother was there. Yeah, we and so we got to meet. There were some really famous fans, the Vikings that were there, I think, for a minute that everyone uh-huh. knows. Met Club Mike. They, they go to all the shows. Met Club Mike. I, I ate his burrito. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, Tony, or if you were there when that happened, but I drunkenly yeah. ate Met Fan Mike's burrito late into the evening. We call it Burrito Gate here on the podcast. Burrito Gate, yeah. Oh. Well, dude, it's been so nice getting to chat with you finally. I think we talked at the party about you being on the show, and that was almost two years ago. So. Two years ago, I know, man. In January, in January, it, it'd be two years. Two January, be two years. Yeah. What's uh, what's next for you, man? Squindo.net's where all your art is. What do you got going on? What are you looking forward to? This new book I'm working on. I'm hoping to get. Uh, it's kind of car based too, so I wanted to get it. We do a lot of vending at car shows, so I wanted to get that kind of together and done before the next one. But I don't know if it's going to happen. It's been years working on it. It's coming along but it, i spend way too much time drawing every image in this book so it's it's taking me a while i do feel like for all of us creative types covid has been like a great blessing because we get all this time but then there's also like if you don't finish it during this year people are like mm, oh, yeah. didn't You're finish it during covid huh had too much to do what huh? you doing little busy huh there is luckily i had between the that and the uh the house we're working on it's been like i'm I've been busy the whole time. And then they threw the driving thing at me. So that was a nice little bonus to, to do the artwork. For that. I didn't realize that you had done that. So they threw it at you pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, God, I had like a couple of weeks to do it, but it was, uh, the management said 
so they called me and they were like, do you, you want to do it? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to do it. I want to do everything. I don't want anybody to do anything else. I just want to do it all. <laughs> and, uh, they, they said something about the old time movie theater, um, intermission thing. I'm like, like a dancing hot dog. And they were like, totally. So just kind of went with that, turned them all little metal heads. And, uh, the, the masked scary guy I did, I had done when this whole thing started just in case, I figured it might be a cool thing for them at some point, And it kind of worked out nice. They were like, we'll use that one. Just do the back for it and uh, do something else. So they have at least two. And then Hetfield, I think, did the third shirt, the pan- Pandemica. Yeah, right. I love your work for the drive-in shirt. I didn't even know that was you, dude. It's killer. It's awesome. If they, if they came to you and said, hey, we want you to be our guy. Because you just said, I, I want to do it all, which I totally get. It's like, I imagine there's a part of you somewhere when you see another art that you didn't do, you're like, fuck that. But if they, if they <laughs> you know, you're happy for them. And even if it's good, you're like, that's good. But you're also like, but also fuck you guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> if they asked you to like be their dude, but that kind of meant you, you had to, there was some sort of proximity clause with it or something. Would you, would you be, I mean, is that something you, because you kind of have a cool arrangement. Now you can do whatever you want. They tap you for what they need. You're able to do it and go yeah, do yeah. it, you know. Have you thought about what if they asked you to be like a permanent art director on staff or something? When I first started with them, I was like, I just want to go there. I want to work for them full time and that's it. Yeah. I, I probably would still, I mean, I don't know if I want to live in California. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd probably bite on it or have to think about it a lot. Yeah, maybe not California right now. Yeah, yeah. Maybe wait for things to mellow out. Well, dude, we really appreciate you, man. You are uh, you're a, a beloved figure in the Metallica world. You've brought us all a lot of joy with all the stuff you've made, and yeah. we're going to be giving away some of your posters, one of your books, and uh, I hope our paths can cross again down the line with more Metallica stuff happening. Well, I do like Nashville, so I'm sure we'll be out there again. Well, next time you and your wife come through, dude, yeah, you got to hit us up, and we'll have a beer and. We'll get tattoos together. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, what why not? Or maybe we'll get some chainsaws and we'll take the safeguards off of them and, and get nutty and see what happens with some chainsaws. You're experienced in that yeah, world. Right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, I, I do have a, 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 a an ending question. Did you ever finish the tiki log? <laughs> oh, God, no. I went out there and kicked it over. And then uh, I th- the tool was sitting in the garage for a, a good couple of weeks. My wife keeps going out there. She's like, you've got to move it. I can't look at it anymore. It's like covered in blood. I can't look at it. <laughs> What's the tool called again? Uh, it's a Lancelot wheel. The Lancelot wheel. We should rename it the Squindo killer or the, the Squindo slicer. The Squindo slicer. Can you see that? Yeah. 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 Damn. Uh, uh, so it's like uh, somewhat similar to like a Dremel. But the, the Tiki sat out there for a good month and it was just on its side and I could still see it every time yeah. I look out the window. So now it's, we dragged it out farther in the yard, and uh, I don't want to look at it anymore. Maybe next time, just get a tiny Dremel tool and just do a tiki stick. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about carving chunks off of that one and just selling them like the like a cursed tiki, you know, yeah, just a tiny. Dude. There you go. You rub a little blood on it. I was going to say the ones with the blood caked into it and baked in are, are even more expensive. Hey, somebody messaged me like right away, and they were like, is there blood on it? I'm like, there's no blood on it. Sorry, the blood's everywhere else. It's not on the tiki. <laughs> they emailed you as in they were interested in it? Like, oh, is there blood on it still? Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Well, that's how you know That's how you know you've made it, dude. May I have some wood blood for your Lancelot saw? Here's some wood blood. No big deal. <sighs> it's still horrifying. Uh, maybe stay away from those things. Don't take the safeguards off. 
Protect your arms and hands. We we need you, dude. We need you, bro. <laughs> and luckily, it wasn't the other arm. We were watching a movie last night, and a chainsaw starts up. I'm like, I got PTSD. I can't yeah, even look dude, at this Turn shit. it off. <laughs> no more tiki's and no more chainsaws. Well, yeah. we're going to let you go, man. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you again. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it. Tony Squindo, he's a treasure. He really is. Let's just is. Say, call him what he is. He's a treasure in the Metallica family. He's a sweetheart. He's so talented, it makes me sick. It's insane how talented he is. I mean, right before I walked down to my studio to do this episode, I was gazing upon the uh, show poster from the... Uh, Longingly. Br- Longingly uh, from the Bridgestone Arena show that he did with the cowboy with the guitar. And I was, and I was just kind of looking at the detail of it. And I was like, gosh, I don't stop and look at this thing enough. And it's an, it just... That kind of talent, you know, not everyone has it. And he clearly, uh, it was bestowed on him at a young age that he would uh, go on to make such great artwork that we could all admire and enjoy. I agree. The the people who are who are just born with that amount of talent, it's a small pool. It's me. It's Squindo. Right. It's you. Exactly. Three, three of us, really. It's the three of us. And, uh, you know, it's it's a burden, but it's a burden that I accept. It's a responsibility that I accept, Ethan. It is. I mean, and it might be the death of us one day, but I mean, that's just kind of, you know, Frodo didn't just take the ring thinking it was going to be an easy walk to Mordor, right? Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Sam Samwise. It's so heavy, Sam. The ring. My precious. Here's here's what I'll tell you, man. Well, first of all, we we purchased two of the limited edition Metallica posters and his uh, Year of the Skull book. Specifically for giveaways, we have some. We're cooking up some more fun contests to give away. They're all signed, by the way, numbered and signed. Mm-hmm. And then Squindo, because he's a generous man as well as a talented man, is sending us more stuff what? to give away to listeners. So we're gonna have quite the. We're gonna have Squindo month, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's gonna be the month of the Squindo. Squindo Fest twenty. He had the year of the skull. We have the month of the Squindo. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Nothing exactly. But I'll tell you what, and we'll end with this. We'll let you sweet babies go. Is uh, I am just so grateful. To be a part of the Metal Up Your Podcast community. Mm-hmm. I love our listeners. I love the fact that it brings us into contact with someone as cool as as Mr. Squindo himself. And uh, I'm just feeling really grateful. And I'm feeling grateful for you too, my friend. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad we met however many years ago and that we started this adventure together. It's been quite the ride. It has been quite the I'm ride. I'm having a good time. I'm grateful for everyone listening. I'm grateful for you, Clint. And I'm especially grateful for that Hawaiian Metallica shirt you're wearing. I can't wait to get mine. I'm, I might just... Have to swing by sometime this weekend and pick it up. It's Aloha Friday, and I got to tell you, yeah, I got one for you and this one for Mr. Paul. But Paul, Paul. he's still not here. And uh, we will be going to fucking Hawaii real soon. Oh, real soon. Oh, yeah. And until then, we'll leave you all babies at home. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your families. Stay tight. Stay right. Peace. Adios. Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs>